Hello, everybody. It's uh, Chapo for Thursday, May 5th, uh, 2022. And uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty obvious what we're going to talk about for the first part of today's show. Um, the uh, the end of Roe v. Wade in America, the uh, draft that was leaked from the Supreme Court, uh, making it clear that they are going to overturn uh, Roe and Casey and, you know, end a constitutional right to uh, abortion in this country. Um, it's one of those occasions where uh, I don't want to spend time uh, talking about um, dumb people who have bad takes. I don't want to relitigate the 2020 or 2016 elections. There's, I don't need to talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's just one of those occasions where, like, uh, everything one can say seems insufficient to the moment that we now face. Um, and I think the, the the truly horrible thing is that, like, and I, when I say this, this is in no way a means to exonerate them from their absolute failure um, and really the complete and final failure of the Democratic Party. But if you really look at it right now, uh, even if they wanted to enshrine uh, federal protections for the right to an abortion, there's basically nothing they can do. There's things they can try to do, um, and that I would, I would hope a reasonable party would at least attempt to do to show something, but they're not going to do that. And it's just like, uh, right now we're, we're dealing with a situation where anything that the right wing can do in terms of our law, uh, they will do. Um, they have, it just it, that's that's the fact of it, and it's something that it's a reality that um, despite the fact that we all knew exactly what was coming as soon as Trump secured his Supreme Court nominees, uh, seeing living to see Roe v. Wade overturned in America is something I didn't think would happen. I knew it was going to happen, but that offers little little comfort to how nauseating it is to live through it. Yeah, no, it is. It, the writing was on the wall, and it was on the wall both in the last six years since Trump's victory, and especially in the recent couple years when it's become clear that the Republican game plan on social issues, more or less, is that they're going to keep upping the ante. They're they're going to keep like doing the thing that all like good-hearted center-right uh, professional opinion writers said they would never do because it's it's like it's a tripwire in American politics. There's really no telling what comes after this. There's no telling what the laws in the states look like. I mean, we have a little bit of an idea if we're going by prosecutions of women having miscarriages, uh, like out making contraception outright illegal, uh, just... I mean, a mass violation of women, even greater than what we're already seeing. But this is, I mean, it's unspeakably awful, made worse by the fact that the immediate political solution to this is not clear. I mean, obviously, it would be great if there was some type of political goal, some type of immediate action by a national, supposedly left of center party. And that's awful and discouraging there isn't but also i mean just by people by any of these organizations by groups like planned parenthood there's nothing besides emails right now and i'm not saying that i have a plan either but it seems like everyone everyone is currently still in the fog of this decision well i mean it's just it's it's like i said it's it's something we all knew was coming and it's just it, it's running up into the fucking reality that like of, of what it really means to live in a country that is making its final transition from sort of a staged managed airsats democracy into a purely, purely authoritarian society. Yeah. Um, 
my reading on this and my reading like on all like all the disgusting like uh right leaning social issue campaigns since Biden got inaugurated basically it's the same thing right that it is it's going to pay some electoral dividends but either in the long term or the medium term in a in a normal control group when all else is normal eventually you run out of people to that a swing that swing voters don't care about you run out of people to piss off you run out of things to overreach on that is true in normal conditions i don't know if that's going to be true in our current conditions where there's just mass level of institutional decay and disengagement it's really like we can't we we cannot re- rely on the usual ebb and flow of social politics yeah. in America. There's yeah. no telling where this ends, what the what the trigger for electoral backlash to be. There's nothing guaranteed. Yeah, that was the big underlying reassurance among uh liberals was always uh and and honestly since the 70s has been the only uh real like long-term um electoral strategy that democrats have had which is that we don't have a a positive agenda anymore there's nothing that we actually can plausibly uh promise to do for uh any constituency uh what we can do is wait for republicans to take power to overreach and to then stand as the uh sensible alternative uh and that is why a lot of people including i mean not lately but you know years ago i used to kind of casually assume uh, that, yeah, they would never get rid of Roe because it's a great fundraiser and mobilizing force and doing so would cause a backlash. But, you know, we're now in the moment where it's it, like everything is more politicized than ever. Like all politics, all uh, social interactions are now deeply politicized, but also uh, more and more people have just checked out of it because of its sort of smothering and, and, uh, and alienating aspects. So who even knows, as you say, uh, what can be depended upon. And I think the real, the real misconception that underlined that take that I, you used to see a lot that, ah, they wouldn't do it because of the backlash, uh, is the premise that Republicans and Democrats functionally operate the same way. And they, and they don't because Democrats, can't do things that their uh, constituents want, whereas Republicans are totally free to actually do the things that they have trained their constituents to want, like abolishing uh, Roe versus Wade. And the idea that it's it's you need it as a mobilizing tool is incorrect because it assumes that there's not another mountain to climb after Roe is over is uh, overturned, which oh, we're yeah. already seeing. Like, and there a are. Bunch of new- Fucking Greg Abbott now wants to get rid of public education yep. on the basis of this yep. uh, ruling. No, I mean, like I said, like th- this is you know, like like I said, we're in a situation now where even if the Democrats wanted to do something, uh, they can't because look, it would take a filibuster to pass a federal legislation codifying Roe v. Wade as uh, through legislation, but then they don't they don't have the votes for that, so they need the filibuster, and they don't have the votes to, to do away with the filibuster. I mean, like, look. Uh, there, there are ways. I mean, like there, are, there are things. If they were a political party that functioned in any coherent way, there are there are measures that they could take to whip votes or extort people, pre- pressure them, whatever. But we know that's not going to happen. And what we're living in now is, as you said, Matt, we're we're now living in a post overreach era, 
Like there, there is now like you cannot take for granted that there's anything that the conservative movement has said openly, more or less, for the last forty or fifty years about the vision they have for society and the ways in which they're going to use the law to achieve that. That is now can be considered too extreme for them to consider because they hold all the cards. Like I said, they, the Supreme Court, that which they have a majority on now, is has you know virtual as, as lifetime appointments for essentially what is absolute authority over the laws of this country. And if you think that these people are not going to use that absolute authority in the ways they've been training their entire adult life to do, then, like I said, you're either a fucking moron or you're just lying for cynical purposes. Because, like, there is a whole... There's, a, there's been a tidal wave of commentary um, from, like, you know, center-right pundits or even center, like, sort of centrist, center-right pundits to convince you that, hey, look, this doesn't mean the end of abortion. It's just going back to the states. It won't be that bad. And, oh, yeah, like, uh, gay marriage, um, uh, just, like, gay rights, uh, contraception, those are fine. Those are safe. There's no, like, you know, that, that would be ridiculous. That would be too extreme for them to go after. And it's just like, or how about, a, how about a federal abortion ban? So then that way, like, abortion truly will be illegal everywhere in the United States. Do you honestly think that there's anything stopping these people from doing this? They've said that this is what they want to achieve for decades now. And like I said, a Democratic Party that actually represented the people who vote for them would have done something about this decades ago. But like this is the this is this is the result of, you know, years and years of a coordinated political movement to achieve their goals and the complete and total willful capitulation of the opposition party to do anything about it. And now we're now now millions, millions and millions of Americans or all Americans are, are stuck in this in this fucking nightmare, fucking barbarous country that we're going to have to continue to live the rest of our lives in. And the thing is about the, the Roe v. Wade voter backlash. I'm sure there will be backlash against this because, you know, obviously, like this is a deeply, deeply unpopular thing. Like the vast, vast majority of this country does not want to see Roe v. Wade overturned. But here's the thing. When almost half the country has already been living for years now in a situation where abortion is fun is functionally illegal, it's kind of hard to like, you know, uh, say, oh, like, you know, vote for us because we don't want the bad thing to happen when half of the country are already living in that reality. Yeah. I mean, also, there is the fact that abortion has been since about 2009, since Obama went back on his promise to enshrine Roe in law legislatively. Roe and abortion itself has been slowly but surely removed a little bit every year from the Democratic National Platform to the point that it's barely ever talked about. How many people even connect the Democrats to abortion if they're if they're not if they're swing voters, if they're like, you know, half the time non-voters who could swing Democratic, the the people that like helped Obama win by the margins he did. How would they even make that association at that point? I mean, Biden himself has said the word abortion probably twice in his entire presidency. And one of them was last week or like or yesterday when like this decision, when this draft document was leaked. On, a, on his way to the Lockheed Martin plant to, to, to smooch <laughs> yeah. the javelin missiles as, as they were packing them up to send them to Kiev. You can't beat that, man. Yeah. I mean, you, no, no. I mean, like, yeah, like no, this is like, talking, overturning. I don't want to make movies about the current moment. How, how do you top? Rover's way gets overturned and the Democratic president goes to a fucking uh, a missile factory. Rocket factory. <laughs> Just too much. And the, and the banner behind him said, we stand with Ukraine at the exact moment that like the nightmare scenario of which is basically, as you said, Matt, the only thing that Democrats have to offer anyone who votes for them 
is that you have to vote for us because if you don't, Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Roe v. Wade is now overturned. And the message of the Democratic Party and Joe Biden is we stand with Ukraine. Yeah. I mean, like, pretty much everyone's responses to this have made me imagine them starring in an ISIS beheading video. Like, everyone. (laughs) Like, no one's... No one's had a good response. Everyone deserves to like become Nick Berg. But uh, the response among like, do you know, you know, that guy, Bakari Sellers? Oh, yeah. 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 So for people who don't know, because like uh, this guy has not really been in vogue in a few years. Bakari Sellers is like a South Carolina Democrat who also has done years of lobbying for Israel on behalf of AIPAC. But he's sort of like, you know, one of those tweeted Democrats that uh, rose up during 2016. He would be like on a list of uh, Follow Friday with like Sarah Kenzor and people like that. But anyway, he made like he made say like probably like an hour after the leak. He made a post that was like, well, congratulations to Democrats. Republicans have lost the suburbs forever. And it's like, Ugh. how many fucking times have I heard that in my life? Like, remember when they, made, they wanted Trump to be the nominee? Yeah. No, Jesus Christ. I mean, it really cemented how little anyone gives a shit like in the, in the professional institutional side. And I know that it's like what I'm asking for is for them to at least like just to pretend to lie that they give a shit. But like just for an hour, could you, did you pretend that you find this horrifying? Yeah. Or, or, or like you said, get get out there you know, in a press conference and state the, explicitly the reasons why you can't do anything about it and who's responsible for it. Just like try to, I mean, like, you know, if all politics can do for us, anyone is feel your pain or administer it out to other people, then the Democrats are failing that test miserably while they're, by the way, campaigning for Henry Quaylar, the pro-life fucking congressman against a, uh, you know, a, an, a, an abortion rights supporting incumbent. And by the way, all those emails and fundraising blasts that went out this week uh, about this, 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 you know, this horrible injustice. I'm just wondering how much of that money that people kicked in were immediately funneled into the coffers of Henry Quaylar's fucking campaign. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think if Henry Quaylar loses or like uh, Yulesco New Generation finally <laughs> kills him, uh, I don't think anything really changes. Right. It's like one shitty Democrat replaced by like a better Democrat that that doesn't really change anything. But just as a barometer for doing anything, that is a fucking amazing indication. Yeah. And I mean, I guess like the other like, I guess like the, the sort of news peg to, the, to this story is the hilarious way in which the leak of this draft is being heralded as some sort of like insurrection against our democratic institutions. And then they're immediately saying, oh, like. It must have been, you know, one of the one of the left wing justices or one of their one of their clerks or whatever, which, you know, it very well might be. And, and kudos to whoever did it. But like, I think it is just as likely to be the case that this was leaked by people sympathetic to Alito's uh, draft, um, uh, the, the decision that he's that he's crafting here. And it is entirely directed at John Roberts and no one else to fucking whip him into line because it was very clear what Roberts wants to do is sort of like split the baby and be the author of, you know, a 6-3 decision rather than, you know, a, a dissent in a 5-4 decision. And like I said, if you read that, the, the draft, the Alito draft, it's all very clear, like the, the fucking, the roadmap that they're laying out. And, and you know, and it's not going to stop at just like, quote unquote, social issues like uh, women's rights or gay rights or contraception. 
Matt, as you said, like Texas is already considering challenging uh, a law mandating that states have to provide public education for its citizens. I mean, like this is like like as like I said, anything that there is no there is nothing that is too far anymore. There there is nothing that you can take for granted about what you thought was like established law or culture in this country. They're going to do it all, and like that means like you know what they've wanted to do for over a hundred years, which is roll back you know, basically the post-Neal Deal state to a, to the, the, a gilded age sort of uh, social and economic relations. I think, and, though, and it's I all going to, it's all, it's all coming. At the federal level, yeah, there's nothing that can really stop any of this. Uh, but there is going to be a, a pushback, and it's going to be at the state level. I mean, the blue states are essentially going to rediscover the beauty of federalism and are going to refuse to uh, enforce uh, uh, federal legislation. Uh, and I don't think that's going to lead to a civil war. I think it's going to lead to a de facto situation where you have we have returned to sort of the the pre civil war uh, concept of of states as like relatively autonomous in terms of you know uh, the legal regime within them, uh, and then like interstate commerce and supply chain and all that stuff will be managed essentially algorithmically as it already is uh, and taken out of politics and that politics will will return entirely to the states and and uh people will be able to vote with their feet if they can afford to uh and if they can't then they're stuck wherever under whichever regime uh they happen to have been born into right i mean like uh, the the true the true holders of consequence here both for roe v wade for any anything that is coming for this entire situation is as always it's the going to be the poorest people the people who already cannot afford to move. I mean, any restriction of abortion, it hurts poor women the most in, in every way. They are the ones going to prison for having miscarriages. They are the ones who will be forced to die during childbirth. Uh, and in the, the coming reality, the coming American divorce, they will be the ones who will, you know, live and die in the free state of Texas or the, the kingdom of Missouri. I mean, I, I like obviously like states like New York and California um, will be, uh, you know, uh, upholding the right to an abortion. And uh, I would I would expect them not to respect the uh, wishes of a state like, you know, I don't know, Missouri or Texas. But I mean, how much how much like how long can is that going to go on before they just do a federal abortion ban? Like, I mean, like like I said, like, do you think the right is going to be? You think the, 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 the conservative legal movement and the conservative political movement, you think they're going to be happy with uh, two of America's biggest states thumbing their nose at, um, like, you know, or, or like refusing to prosecute people who, who, who crossed into their border to obtain Plan B or order it from those states or obtain an abortion in those states. Like I said, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for now, for now, you can order abortion pills like that are made in India. They're li- licensed by a company in Europe. They're sent through the U.S. Postal Service and they have no way of enforcing like a ban on abortion pills currently if it's sent through the USPS. How long do you expect that to stay over the next like 10, 20 years? Because I don't really know. I don't really know. It's part of the looming crisis, but I don't really know. Like I said, like I, whether it is in five or 20 years, it's, it's hard to say, but I think we can pretty much guarantee that if things, if this Supreme Court is ma- is allowed to maintain its current authority over our society, that the gay, gay rights and the rights to contraception and a, ho- and a host of other, you know, uh, rights that may not be deeply rooted in American traditions, as uh, Justice Alito would have you believe, but nonetheless, 
ones in which everyone listening to this program has enjoyed their entire life on this planet are going to be um, taken away. It's, it's as simple as that. And I like, again, I don't know. I don't know if this happens in a deluge or in a drip, but like we cannot assume that it won't happen. And um, like Felix, I'm glad you brought up the, the point about like, a, like the women being prosecuted for their miscarriages, because, you know, the, the, again, this is the kind of thing that um, the reasonable Republicans and, you know, centrist pundits have assured us for years is it would never happen. But since Roe v. Wade was passed, 1,600 women in this country have been prosecuted for um, conduct leading up to a miscarriage. Of those 1,600 women, 1,200 of them were prosecuted since 2006. And I'm just looking right now at several examples of, from just the last year or two of uh, women who are being charged and, charged and convicted of manslaughter for having a miscarriage. There's a case in Alabama of a pregnant woman who was shot in the stomach when she was five months pregnant during an altercation with a coworker, um, the coworker fired on her. And because of Alabama's stand your ground law, the coworker wasn't charged with the death of the fetus, but the woman who was shot was as, uh, I mean, this was the state ultimately dropped these charges, but th this was after significant political backlash. It was a sort of public outcry over it. There is in uh, Missouri, there's the case of a woman named Brittany Pula, who is a 21-year-old Comanche woman from Oklahoma who was arrested and convicted of manslaughter for the death of her 17-week-old fetus. And uh, the cause of death was attributed to speculation that she was a drug user. And if you don't think that, if you like, as I said, like and now in Texas with like vigilantes being empowered to collect bounties on women who seek abortions out of state, like, I mean, now like under this legal regime, every, every miscarriage or every problem with a pregnancy will be, the, will be like, cause for a homicide or manslaughter investigation and this will never this will always be enshrined in the platforms of the american right in this country there there can never be a compromise on this issue there is no room for any fucking compromise on this issue because it is a way to use the law to punish and rape women whether you are physically doing that or doing that through the law doing it through the statutes of this of this country it is a way for men to violate women and it is never going to go away from the american right it is always going to be a facet and there's no there is no grand deal you can strike on any of this it will always tilt towards this i mean nor can there be any accommodations made towards like you know sort of finagling over like what trimester counts as like a, a fetus or an no, embryo or yeah. whatever like just anyone who's still doing that right now is just uh, just dismiss them out of hand completely like there there is absolutely like i said like I mean, like, that's what's so funny about all this whining over the leak is that, like, these people have now just secured for themselves probably the biggest W that has been on their agenda for, for decades. And they're still fucking complaining about it. I mean, what, like, what do you make of that? I mean, is it just, like, the odd thing to me was, like, I thought, like, well, obviously, like, it's incumbent upon them to, like, always, always put up a united front in which no matter what happens, they're the ones being treated unfairly and being a victim. But it's sort of like, I wonder, like, is this just a hangover of politics as it used to be? Because, like, I don't understand why they care about the optics or unpopularity of anything they do anymore. I think it's it's vestigial. And it's also like these people all hang around with people who are pro-choice. It's about their social circle more than anything. Right. No, I don't think there's any actual political function to it. It's just the only people actually doing the complaining about the leak um, are the more normal ones who do, yes, you know, traffic in circles that have some pro-choice people i think for like the the less normal ones who are talking about it it's just like it's an opportunity to ruin someone's life 
and that's the aspect they like about it that they can find the leaker and some sort of like wool Berkman-esque manhunt um just the just the uh just like a, a little little context here about um how much life is respected in america i'm just looking at these statistics here about um maternal mortality in america and the most recent figures as of 2020 uh have it at 161 deaths of uh women who died in childbirth in the united states uh that's about 23.8 deaths for every 100,000 uh live births and um basically that would put us, according to the World Health Organization, just behind Russia and one ahead of Ukraine in terms of uh, like global maternal mortality rates. So we are officially worse than Russia when it comes to uh, women dying from giving childbirth. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder if like some of the policy utility for this is maybe people realizing that younger people are not having kids but i this is like a i don't think that's gonna do anything right because abortion is already has already been effectively illegal in like over half the country presumably some things are going to stay the same in most blue states and the the fundamental factors that cause infant mortality or cause people just to not have kids outright in the first place uh are still as they are i do think it's funny that uh Samuel Alito, his, I mean, he wrote this opinion, but his real passion on the bench since he's been there has been defending the death penalty at all costs. <laughs> it's like the one thing he gets like really fired up about. Like he's written some like super pissed dissents when they decide not to execute somebody. You get just his whole thing is just getting hard for murdering people. Like I said, I mean, I think that lays bare the, uh, like I said, the, 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 this is the motivation of, the now dominant, now the completely uncontested political force for ruling law in this country. This is what they believe in. There's no shading it. You can't lie to yourself about like, oh, they don't, they don't really mean this. No, they do, and they're going to do it. This is just like unspeakably horrible because we all have to face the fact that like we live at their fucking whims, and like I don't, and I don't know the answer to that. Like it's just like yes, yeah, like. Uh, you, you can elect better politicians. You can protest. And I'm like, I'm, I'm for all of those things. I don't want to say like, you know, g give up hope or whatever. But like, it's just, it's, it's a moment where really all the options uh, available to us or anything I can say or anything we can do uh, seem totally inadequate. And like, you know, I, I just, uh, like I said, I think, I think, I, I don't know, admitting that first is a good first step. Yeah. Well, I think in the coming years, um, it will be a test for a lot of people. For people who are, you know, not subject to these laws uh, as as we are, you know, safely in New York or California, it will be a test if you are willing to break the law. Are you willing to, you know, do things that are illegal, like set up a proxy P.O. box for women to traffic abortion pills at the states that outright uh, outlaw them to do things that may get you prosecuted if you step foot into a state like Texas? And I hope that all of us, everyone listening, all of us personally, if it comes to that, can act bravely. Yeah. And like, you know, like, uh, you know, it's like the, the old cliche about bravery is that, you know, courage is something you discover after you do the thing that you're scared shitless of. But like, you know, uh, bravery to like, you know, personally and collectively um, stand up to this these monsters and the power that they have over your life to take away everything from you, your dignity, your rights, your livelihood, no matter what, like 
bravery is what's left to us. And to, to reiterate what I said, you know, in the last two or three shows, uh, bravery is a lot easier when you're with other people. Absolutely. I suspect we'll have a, a lot more thoughts uh, on this in future episodes. But I, I think for today, I think we'd like to, I guess like there, there is actually a segue here, uh, awkward as it may seem, to talk about something uh, not so, um, you know, soul-crushingly bleak and terrible, but I want to, let's talk about what's going on with Madison Cawthorn because I think this is an interesting, okay, yeah. instructive example about like, you know, okay, well, why can't the Democrats do anything about enshrining abortion rights at a federal level? Well, it's largely because of two senators in their own party that um, have made it openly their mission to tank any part of the Democratic legislative agenda. So in a normally functioning party, these people would be dealt with similar to the way the GOP is dealing with Madison Cawthorn right now, because, oh my, they are, they are massacring my boy right now. Look at how they massacred my boy. And here's the interesting thing, though. What if they do all this shit and leak every fucking video he's ever done of him face-fucking his cousin while grunting like an ape, and, and the North Carolina voters still reelect him? I mean, I, honestly, yeah. if right now I'd put money on that being the outcome. Because, like, he's, he's getting a high profile. People recognize his name now. Uh, and he can always say, as he has been saying, you know, that that the deep state is trying to silence him. And how do you know? Nothing is real unless you decide it is. W w why does what they say mean anything if you don't want it to? I also think that probably a high proportion of voters, both in his district and in the entire state, have experienced that. They have been held down and forced to come by their wheelchair bound cousin. <laughs> they have okay. they have like like they know like the simple fact of boys will be boys of fellas hanging out if your slime hasn't sucked you off by force <laughs> is that really your friend is that really the guy you trust okay. with your life on a hunting trip all right well let, let, let's talk let's talk about the latest i'm gonna i'm gonna go through the whole timeline of everything that's come out about madison Cawthorn because they're just like they're unloading the Jesse Ventura Gatling gun from Predator on this guy. I mean, like, uh, like he's just he's getting lit up right now. I mean, like, what, again, like, and this is a test case for the Republicans to see, like, you know, how, how much these old mechanisms of party discipline still function anymore. Because, like I said, like, if the Democrats were anything like their political party, like, we would have already seen videos of Joe Manchin, like, sucking off someone in a bear costume at the Overlook Hotel. Well, I mean, it, to be fair, though, this is not him going against the party on any issue of policy. This is him blowing up their spot on the baby uh, sex festivals. That's like yeah. that's a red line. That is showing that he cannot be trusted. Forget yeah. policy. Who gives a shit about policy? You can't you can't like relax and just, you know, talk with your fellow congressman. Then it's like uh, he's like Serpico, basically. Yeah. You can't have him around. Yeah, guy, yeah. Any guy not on the take is uh, you can't trust. Uh, can we talk about? Can we talk about the video itself though? Okay, I, that video I, is I, awesome. Just, that I, video, <laughs> man. Okay, look, we we're talking about how like everyone's response to everything. Just, I mean, look, it's probably just the, the virtue uh, that I've been looking at this too long, and it just everything disgusts me. But I've I've liked the people who are just like so reactive to anything that like they see. Occupied Democrats or anyone like making fun of this video and are like just instantly like pretty much sight unseen are like there's nothing funny about Madison Cawthorn raping his cousin in the <laughs> hotel room and it's like I'm sorry that's the funniest okay. thing I've ever or, seen or or saying hilarious. it 
or saying it's like uh, you know a lot of liberals are really showing their uh, homophobia um, to call this gay. And it's that like, is okay, not it's like, like no gay guys <laughs> had sex like that. There would be like a twenty percent mortality rate. It shows. If anything, it shows why straight guys can't have gay sex. They're terrible at it. <laughs> Don't poke an eye out doing it like that. That's okay, probably but- how he really like is in the wheelchair. Is trying to do that, and they invented the story about drunk driving. Um, but in the video itself, it's like okay, he he's sort of like chanting and 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 sort of hooting like an ape while he uh, yeah fakes face fucks his cousin while he's completely nude, his wheelchair in the foreground, and then at one point in the video, you can hear his cousin go, "Your dick and ass is in my face, ha ha." Oh my oh my oh my Okay, okay, but like, let me let me give you like, okay, you could say, okay, like the, this, it, you know, you you so one might be inclined to look at this and go, this 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 is sort of this is homosocial bonding among alpha males, like you know, any any guy who's ever been in a locker room has you know, uh, face fucked their friend. You know, Absolutely. and it's just like, look, I mean, even if no actual oral uh, penetration occurs, it's just sometimes you got to rub your uh, cock and asshole in the face of your, your cousin. But I would just like to give a little bit back, a little bit of background on uh, Madison Cawthorn's cousin, who uh, also works for him. Uh, it's just I'm just going to read here from Newsweek. Uh, and, th- and, th- and this was this was referring to the video um, showing him being groped or having his cousin uh, grab his dick. It says here, uh. The brief cell phone video records Cawthorn saying, I feel the passion and desire and would like to see a naked body beneath my hands. The man filming the video, believed to be Cawthorn's schedule, Stephen Smith, responds, me too, before reaching over and rubbing his hand on Cawthorn's crotch. Smith is also uh, said to have lived the GOP lawmaker in his home in Hendersonville, North Carolina, for free ever since the congressman took office. The pair are said to be so close that Smith joined Cawthorn and his wife on their honeymoon in Dubai in April 2021. Hmm. Okay. Well, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, love that. If, if, you're, if you're taking your cousin, who you routinely, and in a, as Madison Cawthorn said, in a crass display of foolish behavior, the cousin who you routinely videotape yourself sexually assaulting, if you take him on your honeymoon with the wife you just married, I'm sorry. Like, I, it's... It's a little gay. It's- didn't she? Didn't she divorce him like a year later? Too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got married in April 2021, and they're already divorced. Damn. Well, I mean, sometimes you finish the mar- marriage quick. Sometimes you do everything you need to do. Um. I mean, I don't think. I do not think. I want to state for the record. I do not think they are in a gay relationship with each other. Why Honestly, would you bring? Why would I, you bring the cousin that you live with to your honeymoon? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> you, know? you want to have a good time, right? Yeah, you know, like yeah. what you know, you spend yeah, you, know, you spend like, the whole time just with some broad. Oh my god, talk yeah, about boring. Jesus Christ, what would you talk about with her? Yeah, like oh, look at the sunset. No, I want my cousin there. I mean, I, I don't know. I I kind of I agree with Madison Cawthorn that like all of his voters do this stuff. Don't don't you like don't you think this is just like a thing that they all do in South Carolina? Do you remember? Do you remember that video we talked about a few months ago that was from the high school in like Kentucky? And it was yeah yeah they were doing lap dances for the for the principal. 
Yeah, like the the football the kids on the football team were like wearing bras and grinding on like the football coaches. And it, like pe- they, people there were like, whoa, we've been doing this for like 300 years. <laughs> this is a, I, uh, I, I tend I, to believe them to quote to quote Justice Samuel Alito. This is a tradition deeply rooted in American history. Absolutely. Yeah. Cousin it's, shenanigans. Cousin <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just roughhousing. It's just roughhousing. Um, but, you know, his um, his his fraudage with cousins is not the only thing he's getting sprayed with right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I just uh, I want to this one is really good. Uh, this is a headline from the uh, Washington Examiner by this uh, the piece by this guy, Andrew Kerr, who is like he is the button man who got Madison Cawthorn's account because like every single one of these stories and leaks about his like insider trading or paying his cousin forty four thousand dollars more than congressional salary. Uh, are all coming courtesy of Andrew Kerr and the Washington Don't Examiner. Don't you love, okay, you said insider trading. The insider trading was with something, a cryptocurrency called yeah. the Let's Go Brandon. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, lo- like, I <laughs> yes. love Madison Cawthorn. I think he should be in Congress forever because he shows like the degeneration of everything. Yeah. Every, even if like Republicans are ascended, they're still degenerating like anything else. So Indeed. Madison Cawthorn has a weird sex scandal. Is it an eyes wide shut like ritual where you open a portal to hell and meet Satan and like all the elite of every sector are there? No, he's just railing his cousin and giving him pink eye. He's, oh, he's doing insider trading. Is he is he like is this like high finance? Is he leveraged to the hilt and he's going to make out with tens of millions of illicit gains that he will expertly conceal from both uh, tax collectors and the law? No, he pumped and dumped. Let's go. Brandon coin. <laughs> Everything is degenerating. Everything is falling apart. Everything is shittier than it used to be. And for that reason, Madison Cawthorn should be president. We, okay. it's, it's, I think at this point, it's inevitable. Yeah, he will be our he will be the reactionary FDR yeah. that we all needed. I just want to read here from the uh, headline from the Washington Examiner. Meme coin leaders admission could land Madison Cawthorn in more hot water. The leader of the Let's Go Brandon cryptocurrency revealed that Representative Madison Cawthorn traded the meme coin three weeks before NASCAR driver Brandon Brown announced he had circa sponsorship deal with the coin, heightening suspicion from watchdogs that the beleaguered congressman may have violated insider trading laws. Experts previously told the Washington Examiner that Cawthorn may have implicated himself in an insider trading scheme when he wrote, LGB legends, tomorrow we go to the moon in response to a December 29th Instagram post picturing himself posing with an LGB coin ringleader, James Kutlaudet. Wait, James Kutalus. Let's go, Brandon coin. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon pump and dump. Uh, he, should be the, he should be promoted to senator. Yeah, immediately. Shouldn't even have to defend a seat. And then, okay, like uh, on April 16th, there was uh, the first piece in the Washington Examiner by Andrew Kerr about him spending taxpayer funds at a luxury resort in which he allegedly spent $2,950 of taxpayer money at a resort called Skylarna. <laughs> a resort called Skylarana in his hometown of Henderson, North Carolina, and wrote it off as a legislative planning food and beverage expense oh and a $5,000 total four-day event, including trips to Bojangles and Chick-fil-A. <laughs> one day, one day it's Cannon Bunkport. The next day it's Skylarna. It's not he's not even going on vacation anywhere. He's like where he lives. <laughs> yes. He's like, oh, I have to I have to go to Skylark in my hometown for vacation. Skylarna is like, you know, sort of the sandals resort of, you know, the state of North Carolina. 
it's it's where cousins go and secrets are exchanged. Man, <laughs> cousin key He's party. Awesome. I'm imagining like a like a cousins only version of hedonism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah like yeah. no children only, and you have to be you have to show your uh your your cousin relationship before you're let in. Cousins I mean, only. yeah. He look if there were videos of him like doing eyes wide shut shit, or even like. I mean, even like having penetrative sex with someone other than his now ex-wife, they would be out there. But instead, they're getting like, yeah, him giving his cousin a detached retina just by the force of the head head of his cock. Uh, the other funny thing about the video is that like on its own, it's pretty hard to tell like what's going on at all in the video, let alone if it's Madison Cawthorn or not. But then he immediately was like, there's a video of me out there, and yes, it's part of a it's, it's the latest hit on me by the deep state. But I would just like to confirm that yes, that is me on the video, uh, face fucking my cousin and hooting like an ape. Well, I mean, like I, even if I were in the house and I had the opportunity, I would never censure him. I would never impeach him for what is in that video. I tend to agree with him that this is this is cousins in their natural state. Okay, and then like uh, there's another Madison Cawthorn thing. Um, the dude keeps bringing loaded guns to airports. <laughs> he he mm. like this is like the second or third time it happened, and this was on April twenty sixth. Uh, he was caught by the TSA carrying a loaded nine millimeter in his check in bag, or no, his carry on bag. So I mean, like, I understand you're a congressman, but like, I don't know, unless you're flying private, like, I just how how are you gonna keep trying to bring a gun on a plane? It's like the that one is thing, like a very that is a stupid <laughs> like just that's a stupid thing to do. I think Barry Switzer did that one time, the notoriously oafish coach of the uh, Dallas Cowboys. It's, it's not. It, you, there's no way that you can like squint at that and make it anything other than someone just being a moron. It's like sort of like maybe he just forgot it was in his bag. You know, we've all oh, we've that's all been, dumb. You're yeah. going to the airport, dude. <laughs> we've all been at the airport, and then you're just like rummaging around through your bags to find like whatever uh, drug paraphernalia is in there that you've forgotten about, and you know you don't want to end up in a box for the next forty eight hours. But uh, let me ask you this, because like, I mean, th this is the question everyone is raising about. Like I said, I mean, the, like I said, like the <laughs> the Washington Examiner and you know Kevin McCarthy and whoever is in GOP leadership is doing to him right now what he did to his cousin, but like on a national stage. So the question everyone's asking is, why isn't he just naming the names of the people who invited him to the cocaine orgy? Well, because it didn't happen is, is yes, the answer, yes, I think. Yes, is that yes. he just wanted to seem like an outsider. He wanted to tease his Q-pilled audience, and he didn't realize, oh, they do that. Yeah. Oh, they, ha they have stuff that they very much want to protect, and they do not want to have anybody in the caucus who they can't trust. Again, uh, the result of just being stupid, being a dumbass, thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just make up some bullshit about orgies and, and my moron followers will get a thrill out of it and I'll get some outsider credibility. And then they wheel his ass into the room and Kevin McCarthy gives him the Ned Beatty speech because he was too dumb not to do it. And that's yeah. why he will be president. You've seen he, his handwriting. <laughs> he fucking he ruined his entire life for this. Well, we'll see. And, he ruined and by the way, everything. I mean, yes, like you know, Matt, you 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 answer the question accurately. I mean, the fact that he hasn't named names yet um, just underscores to me what was you know all of our initial our uh, uh, initial suspicion about this is that it was a hundred percent cap that was hundred percent dead on accurate, but by accident. Yeah. And by and by the way, 
uh, he, 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 he capped um, so extraordinarily because he wanted to impress the host of the Warrior Poet podcast, who is a, <laughs> a, former, a former army ranger named John Lovell, who calls himself a combat entrepreneur who sells emergency food and headphones. Combat entrepreneur. That's mercenary? That's usually... Yeah. That's what you, no, 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 no. word you would use there. He's not, he's not selling his skills as an operator in the field of combat. He's not, he's not, he's not trading in on his, his, uh, you know, uh, the, the millions of dollars the taxpayers have spent to turn him into a killing machine. He's trading in on the, the decision and CEO mindset that you learn as an operator to sell um, uh, buckets of uh, oatmeal for $400 and, <laughs> um, and tactical headphones to uh, credulous dupes. Uh, so, uh, you know, Felix, you're talking about like uh, a lot of the reactions to the Cawthorn thing are people coughing up some some extraordinary some extraordinary um, brain findings that are inside of them. And I'd just like to highlight uh, one Twitter thread by uh, Ben Dreyfus, uh, formerly of Mother Jones magazine, um, heir to the Richard Dreyfus um, uh, Jaws fortune. Uh, but, but he had some uh, he had some he had some very interesting thoughts about how you know about how what happens on that video was totally normal and it's something that like you know it's guys being dudes so uh, it, it, could, could we contextualize Ben Dreyfus for our audience in any way better than I've done now he's a he's a he's a he's a very um, a very cheeky lad who's um, mainly famous for being the son of a, a movie actor but I mean what, what were some of his greatest hits in the past okay. I am going to look, I, uh, I have, I have, uh, decided that I will be his advocate in this segment. I think Ben Dreyfus is the sin eater of Twitter. I really <laughs> do. I really, I really, 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 really do. Because, um, for like five or six years, probably longer than that, honestly, he was like the engagement editor at Mother Jones for a while, right? Yeah. And in that time, he would like sometimes, draw great antagonism from usually like left Twitter, but really all quarters. He, he, he will always say something that will get one group of people screaming at him for days and days. And when you look at the content of what he is usually saying that gets him screamed at, it's like, honestly, it's not that much more annoying or outrageous than the people he is stepping in for than like whatever pundit, whatever like center of left pundit, whatever substack guy, whichever. But it's just, it, it's bolstered by the fact that yes, he is a famous actor's son and that he has, you know, it's these things stack. You see him say something that annoys you and you're like, Oh, haven't you said something that I hate like 500 times before? And it's like, yes, he has, but he's, he's, he is, Doing that, he is the main target of everyone's ire repeatedly. And I do not think that anything he says is more annoying than any given pundit or really anyone. Every, everyone is annoying, but he just he selflessly chooses to make himself the target, which he certainly does in this threat. You, I mean, yeah, you like see. another thing he would like to do in the past anyway is just just blurt out. Uh, how much he wants to fuck his mom. That's a big thing that he comes back <laughs> yeah. to. And again, it's like you, yeah, you are, this is like a ritual uh, putting on the costume to get shot. Like you, you're like, please come, come to my feed and, and make fun of me. By the way, I want to really fuck my mom. So uh, <clears throat> he writes here, 
Having watched the Madison Cawthorn tape, I will say that I don't think it is actually necessarily a gay tape. This looks to me like the type of homoerotic hazing humor bros do when they put dicks on each other's faces while the other one is asleep. Okay, I, I feel like I okay you, you okay Felix you were the you were the uh, um, appointed defender of Ben Dreyfus in this tweet. I will be the appointed defender of humor bros, of which you know we have been fairly and unfairly tarnished with that association in the past. I have uh, okay maybe, maybe maybe you guys can fill me in on you can let our listeners know. Have I ever rubbed my dicks on any of your guys' faces while you were asleep or otherwise incapacitated or just I was no, 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 okay, no, no, wide awake? No, I mean, well, that that's we're all in our sixties. <laughs> I like okay, no, I I first exhibit. I would call the court's attention to the fact that defendant Dreyfus does not say at, like specific age here, but if you're using using your imagination, if you are choosing to be generous as opposed to ungenerous with defendant Dreyfus's statements, it is implied or it could be seen that he is talking about what humor bros do when they are young teenagers, when they're adolescents, when they're in middle school, when they're away at summer camp. Because I do think that this may be a generational thing. I don't know. For people who have been born, you know, right around 9-11, I don't know if they do this anymore. Maybe they don't. Maybe times have changed. But when I was a kid, when I was 12 years old in the 1960s, this would happen. See, I remember when I was a kid or at summer camp, like this is the kind of thing that was like spoken about like as happening. But like in in the same register as like your friend who said he got a blowjob or something. You know, it was just sort of like it was it was rumored to have occurred, but I never actually uh, saw anyone participate in doing the whole was it the uh, uh, the the goggles or the Roman helmet where you put your dick and balls over someone's eyes when they're asleep. It just seems like one of those things like Dirty Sanchez or Donkey Punch that like that the teenage boys sort of goose each other with like uh, lurid yeah. tales of. But like I don't, never actually really happened. It was on the horizon. Yeah, but it was not something that ever really emanatized. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it looks like we have two guys who always left right before the orgy started. <laughs> not exactly that. Not exactly that. But no, I have seen this. I will not say no. Not all boys did this, but a lot. I have witnessed it with my own eyes. Not anymore. I haven't seen this lately. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've not been anywhere where this happens lately. But in my past of my childhood. Yes, I have seen this take place. Uh, it does. It does happen. I won't say that all boys do this, but I will say probably at least a third of boys like, yeah, do the like, get, you know, put their balls on each other. Absolutely. Your honor, I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, Ben continues I once went to a fabulous concert in Boise, Idaho that's a, I believe fabulous the, the rapper, rapper not just yes. a, a fabulous concert uh, and, me and, a bu- and me and a bunch of dudes stayed in a hotel room together and woke up and I woke up to like five of them flapping their dicks at me and giggling at each other I will also say that the video has indeed convinced me to retract my opinion about him not being invited to orgies he seems spry I've obviously had many a dick placed <laughs> Okay. Can I just say, with the comment he's referencing there was awesome. Ben Dreyfus, like, on a day where, you know, everyone's just, you know, they're doing their formulaic tweets, Ben Dreyfus just, like, bursts in, like, the Kool-Aid man. And he's like, oh, where the fuck would you invite a guy in a wheelchair to an orgy? <laughs> Which, like, it, yes, that's a bad and mean thing to say, but, like, 
man, uh, we've said some pretty bad and mean. I mean, I, 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 I made just, that exact same joke. I made that exact same joke on the podcast, dude. Come on, dude. Everyone, everyone acting like they weren't thinking that a little bit, or at least in their own life, have not, you know, made a joke that mean or bad. Like I said, he's the sin eater. He thought that out loud for everyone else who was thinking that silently. Uh, so yeah, he says he seems spry. I've obviously had many a dick placed on my face while I was sleeping. You can't obviously. be my <laughs> you can't be my age and have gone to high school without having fallen asleep at least a few times at a party and woken up with everyone sharing photos of some dude named Landon or Tyler putting his dick on your face. Half my memories from 10th grade are people just are just people listening to some 41 and putting their dicks on my face. There are so many okay, people Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. I will say that's half know, half 50%. is a lot. That's quite a bit. That would be have that would have to happen like pretty much every day. Yeah, that's half your memories. There are so many people named Ned or Colin texting someone right now, being like, "Oh, remember when you dick faced me at Warped Tour?" Want to know Ned? a really hilarious? I want to know a really hilarious. Okay, want to know a really hilarious but gross adolescent boys story? Well, I mean, uh, do I? <laughs> do I don't want to. Yes. I don't want to answer too enthusiastically, but you know. In middle school, the boys in my class had this game where everyone would play Tetris on the bus, and whoever got the lowest score, the person with, who got the highest score would bare-ass them. Bare-assing was farting in their face with their bare ass. At one time, this kid did it to another kid, and he sharted and accidentally pooped on the other kid's face, and for years, that other was called Poop Face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, like stuff like this does happen. It doesn't happen to every kid. It does happen. <laughs> stuff like this will continue to be a problem until this particular problem bites up and fucks you square in the ass. <laughs> anyway, boys are weird, and Madison Cawthorn just seems like he has never grown up. One of the reasons I enjoy Madison, the Madison Cawthorn leaks is because it does bring out some weird homophobia in a lot of liberals. And it's always funny to see people accidentally reveal the latent evils they denounce in others. Why are people so afraid of revealing things like this? What's going to, what's, uh, like, what's going to happen to them? Am I going to get shunned and forced out of the commune? The dumbest people on this website are the ones who are so profoundly lazy and stupid that if a tweet does not include an explicit moral condemnation, they assume it's an endorsement. I mean, again, Your Honor, actually, I now I retire my prosecution of Ben Dreyfus based on that last statement. Yeah, facts. He's like, whether he is right or wrong, he is always coming from the heart. If I was on a school bus with him, I would call him heart face because that's what came out of his <laughs> mouth just now. His <laughs> statements from the heart. <laughs> I, i'm just imagining uh, uh just 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 five guys like a, like a gauntlet of dicks like you know you're being made to run the gauntlet but just like on your knees with guys just slapping their dicks in your face and ben dryfish just going i can't put up with much more of this abuse much longer <laughs> well i am i am glad that we we didn't do the usual thing and snip like the funniest. Honestly, okay, well, I will even as his counsel. Now that the trial is over, I will admit the some forty one thing is hilarious. <laughs> but he, I think he knew what he was doing there. I I, I will say I, I think we all understand each other a little better after that threat. No, yeah, yeah, 
I mean, honestly, I feel I like I understand I've, that Felix uh, <laughs> had a much more interesting childhood than I did. Yeah, I feel like I missed out on a lot of uh, fun spoofs and goofs in my adolescent boys. Yeah, bonding. That'd be funny if you like if you showed up at like a summer camp now and were like, <laughs> I feel like I like missed out. Could I like, <laughs> no, I don't want to molest the kids. I want to like get molested. Yeah, so, like, I would the like coolest the kid. To put their yeah, dicks in my face. It's cool. It's fine. No, I'm saying I want the coolest kid in camp to molest me. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, like I said, Madison, I, I hate what they're doing to our boy right now. You know, it's just it's so unfair. It's so unfair what's happening to him. And, you know, like I just I, I'm praying for him and his cousin, praying, praying yeah. for him and his cousin right now. I hope that the, the, these deep state attacks on him. I, 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 I'm praying for like another five or six videos of this kind of shit coming out. But then I'd like them to stop. I'd like them to stop harassing my boy here. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want them to keep harassing him until he is sworn in as our president. <laughs> <laughs> and then he signs the bill like legalizing human hunting in that <laughs> child scrawl of his. That Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper style fucking cursive that he writes with. Yeah. I think it's nice. Uh, as long as you guys are having fun, uh, do you want to quickly do this letter to the editor of the Harvard Crimson about BDS? Because it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I saw I saw the one quote about it. It was the one quote from it that was pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just keep going. You know, it's we we pe- people deserve some deserve some laughs. All right, this is a uh, this is a quick one. I, uh, I I saw it today before we started recording, and I, I I bookmarked it because I knew it would be a be a good one for do for the show. But this is a uh, this is a letter to the editor of the Harvard Crimson by the former editor of the Harvard Crimson or president of the Harvard Crimson, a guy named Ira E. Stoll. And this is, a, this is a letter that Larry Summers shared and called um, Brilliant and Convincing. So I'd just like to, to share this with you guys now and our audience. This is letters to the editor. In response to, in support of boycott, divest, sanctions, and a free Palestine. To the editor. In general, I think the content of the Crimson should be up to undergraduates, not alumni. And in the almost 30 years since I was president, this is the first time I can remember that I am furious enough to write with a complaint. That is an indicator of how disgusted I was with the staff editorial published this morning after Holocaust Remembrance Day, singling out Israel among all other nations for boycott, divestment, and sanctions. What would Harvard boycotting Israel look like? It would be a less diverse and inclusive Harvard. The Harvard University Diversity and Inclusion website states, we all belong here together. We strive to create an environment that values diversity, promotes an inclusive culture, and establishes a profound sense of belonging for each member of our community. How are Israeli students or Jewish students supposed to feel valued and included when the Crimson is calling for a boycott of the Jewish state, literally advocating exclusion in the form of unlawful discrimination on the basis of religion and national origin? I can't believe it, I mean I can't believe anyone who graduated college thirty years ago gives a shit what goes on at the the place they attended in school at. If but they I, do, Harvard then, is special. Uh, they have they have uh, fail aids. If if you care about what's going on in your uh, your alma mater, you have sucked. You have failed at life. You should you should be caring about literally anything else. Yeah, it is very depressing to think about anyone doing that of checking in. It would be a less educationally sound Harvard. How would students be supposed to study the history of Israel or the Middle East without interacting with any Israelis or without visiting Israel? <laughs> First of all, I think any course at Harvard that does teach the history of the founding of the state of Israel has probably been banned already by this guy. <laughs> it would be a less healthy Harvard. No Pfizer coronavirus vaccine. 
Israeli public health data was used to validate its use here in America. No life-saving Teva generic uh, pharmaceutical medicines dispensed at Harvard's teaching hospitals. It would be a less environmentally friendly Harvard. No chance of eating vegetables grown with water-saving Israeli drip irrigation agricultural technology. No gas-saving self-driving cars equipped with Israeli LIDAR technology. Here's the, here's, here's the money graph, though. It would be a less secure Harvard. No chance of using Israeli proven missile defense technology like the Arrow or Iron Dome to protect Cambridge from missile attacks. <laughs> That's pretty scary to think about. I can admit. I can I didn't admit even, I didn't, that, even, that even scares me. The, I didn't even, the Harvard-Yale game is uh, getting more intense every year. <laughs> I didn't even know missile attacks of Cambridge was an option. But now that I do know that this is on the table and that they're completely defenseless without an Iron Dome missile protection system, now is the time to act if you're Princeton or Yale. <laughs> um, it would, uh, the Crimson's position is so extreme, it is almost laughably obsolete. Just months after diplomats from Israel's Arab neighbors, such as the United Arab Emirates, Morocco, Egypt, and Bahrain, showed up in Israel to deepen trade security and protect people-to-people uh, -people ties, the Crimson wants to revert to the bad old days of Arab rejectionism. If the Crimson has any sense, it will apologize for the editorial and admit that it contradicts every important Harvard, journalistic, and human value. In the old days, when the Crimson had paying subscribers and paying advertisers, some of them might cancel in response to such anti-Semitic outrage. Nowadays, the paper is propped up by an annual giving from alumni. We may ask ourselves why we'd volunteer anything, time, money, expertise, to fund an organization participating in a campaign to wipe the Jewish state off the map and to rid Harvard of any Israelis. It's certainly nothing I feel like I want anything to do with. I'll just note that um, uh, when this was published, someone, someone looked into this guy's career as uh, president of the Harvard Crimson and found an editorial he wrote when he was uh, attending Harvard that was uh, criticizing um, an administration policy regarding um, kids on the quad uh, playing that game Assassin. I, I don't quite remember how this game works, but it's like someone's the assassin and you have to like sort of murder people by winking at them. Is, is that the correct game? It's like a sort of a, or so there are versions of it you do with water guns. It's it's sort of like a yeah, it's like it's a, a college uh, version of like yeah. a murder mystery dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and uh, his reasoning was that um, this actually sends a good message because heretofore Harvard has been associated with the anti-war movement and regarded as a bunch of effete wimps. So if kids are allowed to play the fun assassin game, then maybe they'll join up. Uh, they'll join up for military service in Vietnam or in the past or something like that. They should be playing it with live ammo. They are uh, Harvard students, and they deserve nothing less. Yeah, that was. Um, I did. I have to say that that shifted a lot of things in my heart. Like the idea, the idea of a Harvard where, like, students like their eggplant gardens or their orange groves aren't irrigated using Israeli techniques is pretty horrifying to think about. Let alone the missile thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, once again, Larry Summers, uh, given the old, given the old RT to uh, this um, brilliant editorial, or letter to the editor, rather. So yeah, I think that uh, just about does it for uh, today's episode. Uh, any closing thoughts, gentlemen? None for me. Okay, that does it for today's show. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.